0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Say Who Say Pod, episode thirty-seven. He's Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. Uh, thanks to everybody who who provided some some positive feedback on our interview last week with Romo Dunze. I do want to say, though, I see I see the metrics. I see people listening, and I, I still see only seventy-nine ratings on Apple Podcasts and sixty on Spotify. <laughs> all right which i'm pleased papa with shame.
1: papa shame is checking in I'm christian pl- I'm pleased wielding with, the shame <laughs>
0: but i know i know there's a plenty of you out there who enjoy the podcast who listen every week who you got your hand your head resting on your hands with your elbows on your desk staring at your computer screen Wednesday, say who say pot coming out i need it uh go rate the podcast th- two
1: things that people need to know that it is important the ratings um The ratings affect the algorithms. Like it affects how it gets recommended and who it gets recommended to. So if you enjoy it, we're not charging you for it. So like all we're asking is to help spread the word. The second thing is that I saw somebody uh, had a username. It was on a message board that was Al Space Gore G O R E Rhythm. (laughs) I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) Like the Al Gore Rhythm. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is because he invented the internet. <laughs> oh,
0: does he have rhythm? I,
1: I, I do not. He might have his own white guy rhythm. I would, I would, I would guess it's fairly stodgy. Uh, Al Gore is hilarious. Like, remember when he came back with the beard after he lost the presidential election? He like went away for two years and then he came back and he had a beard. Like, we all know it's you. <laughs> like, you're still the same dude. <laughs> um,
0: my, uh, my boss at my job. Outside of journalism, my 10 month foray into workforce development was telling me that she had been on vacation and, and had seen Al Gore at the same like resort that they were staying at, so did she say like whether he was cutting it loose she didn't I think she, I think just just spotted him didn't see yeah whether he was uh, he was tooling around on a, an internet 2.0 or I don't know what, what, would... what he had going on.
1: What would be weirder for Al Gore to conform to exactly every expectation you had? Like he's got um, like a a cover up with his swimsuit. Like he is every bit the waspy sort of conservative looking uh, elder statesman kind of like that can't have fun. Or if he was just nuts, like had the big cigar like the, the dad on vacation and is just got a got a beer in his hand at 1030 in the morning, which would be more alarming.
0: I don't know that either would be alarming. I, I, you know, I, I think with with any with any kind of buttoned up public figure, you you kind of respect him a little more if you see him cutting loose in in real life.
1: Yeah, but then I wonder, like, as like if you're that good at hiding something, maybe maybe you're really hiding something. Like, yeah. I I think I would have been more assured if he looked like I was like, yeah, it's exactly how I imagine Al Gore on vacation, like totally boring.
0: This does it, this raises the point, I it, you know. Maybe not quite yet because my daughter's only two, but, like, at some point I got to make the decision on whether I'm going to be the vacation dad, you know, who's, like, flipping the lights on in the room at 6 a.m. when you know, fully dressed and showered already and, all right, we got to go, you know. We got a big, big day, big plan. Here's the itinerary. <laughs> I've been up for two hours. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've got it in me, frankly. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. <laughs>
1: oh, that's great. I, I will be interested I will be interested to see how, how that turns out, how Christian Capel turns out as, as vacation dad or someone who is
0: absolutely like, no, leave me alone, I'd like to lay <laughs> on the beach. I'm gonna be yeah. It's gonna be the other way around. My daughter's gonna, you know, she'll already have the Mickey ears on and Dad, get up. It's nine o'clock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like Space Mountain <laughs> can wait.
0: Oh. Uh, so Jaden Rashada yes it i'm i'm I wrote about this um on the athletic on Tuesday, just kind of breaking down what I see as sort of washington's perspective and and the things to take into consideration if if they do go hard after him. I will say it seems like the buzz around Washington and his recruitment has died down some like when he first asked for his release and got it from Florida. there were multiple reports that Washington not only was going to be in it but might even be the front runner reportedly he took a visit to Arizona State last weekend and I think is is still planning to visit TCU this weekend unless something's changed um Washington hasn't really been mentioned like that I know California has also been thrown out there as as a school that's probably looking pretty hard um at him they were the first time around just like Washington was you know way back a year ago or so but um I think it it still is worth kind of exploring a broader conversation about what's possible with NIL at Washington, what they're willing to do. Um, Because, you know, if you don't know the backstory, Jaden Rashada, four-star quarterback out of Pittsburgh High School in California, um, committed to Miami amid rumors of a big NIL deal, Mm -hmm. then decommitted from Miami, committed to Florida amid reports, um, multiple outlets have reported that. He signed something in the neighborhood of a $13 million deal there. Now, I don't know what the structure of that was. I don't think anybody's seen that contract, but yeah, I can only assume that's that's over his entire college career and might be incentive-based to, to some degree. Um, nevertheless, uh, big big money. It's a, it's a big number to, to promise somebody, hey, you know, no matter... No matter what the requirements are, like you're basically saying we're going to have $13 million in our coffers for you over the next four or five years. That's that's a big promise to make. It fell through. Florida terminated the deal. He still signed his letter there, though, even after that happened. Um, Didn't end up enrolling. Of course, asked out of his letter, and now he's kind of back being recruited here a second time. So um, we'll see where he ends up. I will say that the long the 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 short the short version of, of what's a long complicated thought process is that he's not going to get anything resembling that at Washington, um or, or any school probably like that's kind of the thing thirteen million like who who's what kind of prospect is getting anything resembling that at any school right it's hard to know and this this gets into it first I wanted to say like I, seeing he was
1: from Pittsburgh like that is firmly East Bay area. And a very underrated part of, of the country when it comes to producing football talent. Like, that's Joe Mixon, Najee Harris. Um, back in the day, Ken Simonton came, came kind of out of that area. So I was I was kind of wistful. Like, I like the East Bay. Um, and then I read in your story that his dad, which I didn't realize, had gone to Arizona State.
0: Yeah, Harlan.
1: Yes. Um. And so that kind of and and what you've got the new Oregon the former Oregon offensive coordinator is now the head coach down there so yeah Oregon had
0: been pretty involved in his recruitment
1: that kind of that kind of makes sense the question of NIL I, I mean I'm fascinated by it I think it's a great development but it's also got these very weird permutations because it's a substitute for paying the players Like it's allowing the players to market themselves, but it's not really paying the players. And it creates these weird gray areas where you've essentially got three parties involved potentially in an athlete's recruitment. You've got the athlete, you've got the football team, and then you've got the whatever the licensing or marketing institution, the collective. Like there's all these different names for them. Like at Washington, it's Montlake Futures. Is that group that can be not always and they're not I, I don't want to make it seem like there's always three parties to this recruitment, but it can get involved and that makes it really complicated because there's part of it that is completely hidden from from public view like you don't know and they're not even sure you should know what an athlete is being offered in terms of marketing, but if they're being offered it to play football there, that's technically a violation of the rules. But nobody thinks anybody's going to enforce it. So it creates exceptionally strange circumstances. And you get situations like a kid who committed to one school, then committed to another, then had reports of a massive licensing agreement, signed a letter of intent, then wanted out of it because that marketing deal and is now available again. And it's not like these sort of things didn't happen before NIL, but this certainly makes them more complicated.
0: I also like I want to be clear. I'm not gonna speak in certain terms about whether and how much a true freshman player at Washington can get paid in NIL as soon as he arrives on campus like I'm not saying Washington or Montlake Futures has a policy of when you arrive here as a high school recruit you know you must be paid zero dollars because that's just how we do like what I'm saying is these reports that you're hearing like Rashada's deal at Florida or the deal everyone heard about, you know, the five star quarterback at, at Tennessee. The the signed contracts, the million dollar seven the seven figure sums guaranteed in writing to a player before he has signed, or you being used as an inducement in his recruitment, that's that's not something that Washington is into. Now, that doesn't mean that part of the recruiting process isn't, hey, we've got, you know, so-and-so at your position who signed in our last class and, you know, here here's what we were able to do for him in his first year. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I got a feeling we might be able to do something similar for you or, you know, if you did come, I think the opportunities might just be X, Y, and Z. Now, is that an, an inducement, you know? And I... You know, I'm not. I'm not like sitting in on these conversations. I'm just speculating here. But um, I I know that Washington's philosophy with NIL has very much been wanting to reward guys who are on the roster. Um, you know, you you can you can bet that uh, the sixth year senior starting quarterback who led the country in passing last year, like that. To me, that that's the ideal of okay, let's let's see what you can do for that guy. Um, I think that they want to use it as a kind of a proactive retention tool that you know hey take care of the guys who are on your roster and they'll be less inclined to want to enter the portal they'll they'll feel like you know you're doing something for them and that's that's not just the starting lineup right that's you know jen cohen said you know to the board of regents last may that they had 50 guys you know more than 50 guys on the football team who are on some kind of nil deal and i you know i think it's probably safe to assume that that number is a lot higher now so um I think they want to spread it around to a degree. I think they want to focus on the roster, um, you know, and, and and kind of demonstrate and use it as a tool to show recruits like, hey, you're not going to come here and, and get nothing, you know, but we're not going to put a seven-figure deal in front of you during the recruiting process to get you to try to come to Washington like like maybe some of these other collectives are doing. And, like, I don't think that's happening a ton. I think it gets the headlines, and it is happening in rare instances, but for the most part, like, I don't think, you know, I think it's the rare prospect who commands a deal like that or, or who is even seeking a deal like that. So I, but I mean, with regard to Rashada, if the expectation from his side is still that, you know, he can, he can leverage his recruitment to get, you know, big money guaranteed in writing with a contract. I just don't think that's something Washington is into.
1: Do you think that's the right approach? And and I'm saying that not in a like strictly pragmatic. Like I'm taking the ethics out of it. Like there's no because there's a there's a tactic here, right? Like a, a decision you have to make when when you look at how the resources that are being pooled to benefit the athletes on a team end up being dispersed where you can use it as a lure or you can use it as a reward. And the r- reality is you can do a little bit of both and probably everybody is doing a little bit of both. But which side you go to, like do you use it as as the the sort of the catnip or what you you dangle out there to get the highest rated recruit or do you use it as something like no, this is this is what we give to the guys who sort of become part of the bedrock of the program and start working their way up and contributing. Is it, do you put the cart before the horse or do you let it go after?
0: There are players in the NFL who make it known publicly when they feel like there are are other players in the league at their position who they think they're better than, who are making more money than them. Right. And that's, that's yes, there are. Those are professionals who are earning above board, you know, codified salaries yep. so what do you think would happen in a locker room of i mean 85 scholarship guys but 100 plus guys total where the starting quarterback or the star receiver or star pass rusher a d tackle or whatever is making whatever he's making probably pretty decent money and then uh finds out and it's it's always through like rumor and innuendo, right? Because none of this stuff's mm-hmm. official. There's no clearinghouse. There's no database. Finds out that, that the coaching staff just gave way more money than that to a high school player at his same position. Who's not going to see the field maybe for two or three years. So yeah, there, it's there's going to be... It's, it, there are a it, lot of political chase, considerations.
1: It's going to chase the player who's on the team, off the team. Whether he transfers somewhere else where he can then sort of conceivably command a better in, endorsement package, or he, he goes to the NFL. Like the best example, like when you brought that up, Golden Tate and Percy Harvin. Seattle traded for and signed Percy Harvin to a huge contract in early 2013. And Golden Tate was, had one final year left on his contract. And Harvin was banged up uh, that year. And it came to the offseason. Seattle wins the Super Bowl and Golden Tate is a free agent. Seattle makes a competitive offer like Golden Tate didn't make more money by going to the Detroit Lions. But he was super pissed at how much money they gave to Percy Arvin. And he looked at it and he was like... Dude, you gave him all that money and he hadn't played for you and he didn't play for you this year. Now, from Seattle's perspective, it was like, well, Percy Harvin is a lot faster than you and if he could get his head screwed on straight and stop giving people black eyes, like he'd be a dominant freaking player. But you ended up losing, like, Percy didn't stick because he gave out too many black eyes and Golden left because he was pissed. So it it, it is absolutely a consideration when when you... When you use that inducement, it does have a trickle down effect, and it will make your older players resentful. There's no doubt about that.
0: Or it could send them back to the collective, saying, "Hey, you know, I heard so and so's getting X. Like, <laughs> I'm not all about money. I like it here, but come yeah. on, you know."
1: God, it's so complicated. And what makes it hard, Christian, is you don't really know. Like, I I don't know how you've you viewed, never like, clue- know. Clearly, there have been examples of really well reported, like Stuart Mandel. Did he see the the contract for the kid that went to Tennessee? Yeah. Like, did he actually? So he physically saw it. But there's a huge incentive for the collectives to mislead, right? Like they want it to seem like, oh, you come here and you get rich. There's a huge incentive for the players to exaggerate, much in the same way that 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 high school kids will tell you about the girlfriend that they have in Canada because they want to look good and and then you've got the coaches who love nothing more than to complain about the money that other schools are throwing around as the explanation for any player that leaves and it can create a vastly distorted sense of how much money is actually involved
0: and it's it's become also like in recruiting for the longest time you couldn't necessarily believe like any given list of an individual prospect's offers mm-hmm. like well, maybe it was a partial offer. Maybe it was an offer contingent on you taking an unofficial visit. Maybe it was an offer contingent on you coming to a camp and getting evaluated and them still thinking that you're worth an offer. You know, oh, you you committed to this school and you said that you had offers from half the SEC and, like, every team that made the playoffs last year. Like, mm, did you really, you know? And I think NIL has become a little bit like that where – you know that your buddies are getting a certain amount, or you see in the you see in the news that you, you read headlines about who's getting what or which which schools are oh wow they're spending that much or you know three star D tackle got how much from you know what school and I don't know I think it, it when you're a young person you you don't want to be seen as getting you know less than what you think everyone else around you is getting even though your understanding of what everyone else around you is getting might not be accurate either. So, you, there, there's just there's just no way to know exactly how any one collective is is operating. Um, I don't have any reason to to think that you know Montlake Futures is saying one thing and doing another, or that you know Caitlin DeBoer is saying one thing or doing another or, or whatever. I think as far as their messaging, they've been pretty straightforward about how they wanna how they wanna handle nil, but. You just you never really know. None of this, none of this stuff is is public, and you know, like you, we've talked about, it probably shouldn't be. You know, are you are you yeah. gonna are you gonna tell people how much you know your, your sponsorships are worth if, if you are a radio host? Uh, you know, does does the starting quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks have to disclose you know what he might be getting paid in sponsorships? Did Marshawn Lynch have to tell anybody what what Beacon Plumbing was paying him? You know,
1: yeah, it's one of the Because the argument I would make for why it should be transparent is that you want to make sure that it's equitable. And I'm not talking about, like, equitable between players or between sports, even. But you want to make sure that, like, there aren't groups of people or categories that are not receiving the funds. Like, if, if it is only white players or white players are receiving a disproportionate amount of the licensing and and image and likeness name image likeness money like that would be a problem but like that while i think that's a noble goal that doesn't mean like it's it shouldn't it shouldn't be public there's no there's no example you can point to of why uh, a college athlete's marketing money should be made public so it's one of those because this is the workaround to paying players you get into this situation where okay actually the source of the money there's no justification for making it it public i don't think it should be public but that worries me because of the sort of the unforeseen consequences like things can develop that you don't really know or see because
0: it's none of it's public i shouldn't note too i mean if it's true that Jaden Rashada is is kind of focusing on the schools he's been reported to be focusing on. Like he visited ASU, he's got this visit to TCU. If if Washington and Cal are talking to him, perhaps there's been some calibration on NIL expectations. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know that any of those schools is reputed for paying kids a ton. You know, now at TCU they're in Texas, <laughs> so you know, there's, it's there's so some funny. money. There's some money it, there.
1: It's so funny how, and I I don't know about you, like, I always look at it, it's Texas and the SEC, where it's like, when you get down there, there's just no telling what they'll do with cash. Like, I don't, and it's, I'm not saying that negatively, like, I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with people if they want to give money to a 19 year old who can play football really well. It doesn't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it is funny that there's a specific corner of the country where I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what's going on with their economy or how that would work. They're like, yeah, I c- is it? It's crazy to me to think that a f- incoming freshman would be promised thirteen million dollars just given just from a a reasonable investment sort of like that sounds nuts, given how players can transfer like all of the different things, but it happened in Florida, so I'm like, yeah, maybe <laughs> like they they might be that kind of nuts
0: when I was probably i don't know ten years old um there was there was this like Expo thing in in Longview, where a bunch of like major league baseball players who had ties to the area, Jason Schmidt was one of them, uh-huh. um, came and signed autographs, and there was you know baseball stuff set up, and there was a there was a a, a pitching um, a, a a radar gun where you could you could pitch and and see oh you know, how hard can you throw what's your best fastball, and I I stepped in there and in and, and did it and it, it said eighty seven miles an hour Ooh. I was ten years old. And for whoa. a second, you get that second of like, whoa, 87. But then like after half a second, it sets in like, oh, well, I, obviously the thing's broken. Like I'm 10 years old. I don't throw 87 miles an hour. <laughs> if someone put a $13 million deal in front of me or, you know, if if I'm the dad and, and they put it in front of my kid, I feel like that's one where you maybe get in the car and, and go, y- you know they're never paying you that money, right? Yeah. like you know that and i don't know like i would need to see some books to 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 yeah. believe that you were going to have the the cash necessary to back that up but like this is major college football florida is a major program their yeah. their collective union uh, doesn't operate on on uh you know the 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 most up and up level as we're finding out because this deal fell apart but like you know you have every reason to believe like you're hearing all these these big dollars thrown around and you know kids are getting paid and you know this is not some mom and pop operation the university of florida football program so you know it's i could see how it'd be a little easier to kind of get sucked into like oh yeah yeah okay they this is what this is what they're saying well you know we we should expect that's legit yeah and like i can't blame a kid for wanting to sign with a school that's going to pay him the most money no. That's real at money. All. And especially like yeah. a quarterback, man. Like of course Jaden Rashad has confidence in himself. Of course he yeah. believes that he's gonna play in the NFL. And he's really good. But like this nobody knows how this stuff's gonna go. It's it's a crapshoot. You could get hurt, you could you know, have a, a rough season and, and the politics of everything dictates that they look elsewhere and maybe you got to transfer and you end up somewhere that's not a good fit. Maybe the school you chose isn't a good fit. You never really know till you get there. And for so for any, any reason, the NFL dream might not work out or it might not work out in a way that's going to be immediately lucrative. But this $13 million is here right now. So I, I totally understand the allure of that. It also puts...
1: Coaches in a position to either fan the flames of expectation or to sort of try and be the more measured and realistic. And that's something that traditionally coaches don't do during the recruiting process. I mean, you hear from players all the time when they joke about it and that the coach changes after you sign. And it's very understandable why. Like you flatter them. In 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 many ways, to get them to sign with you, it is in your best interest to say what is necessary to get them to to commit. And then, on the other side of it, then the reality becomes okay. Now, now the deal changes a little bit. And I am not saying that all coaches do that because I I think each coach has their own style of how they deal with the expectations that either have been created or a player holds. But name, image, and likeness is basically supercharging that because now you're factoring in not just money, but significant chunks of money. Like it is. Like it's $13 million is is outside the bounds of, I think, what most players can experience and maybe all players can experience. But several hundred thousand dollars or a seven-figure endorsement, uh, name, image, likeness, income, like that is, that's that's not impossible that that is there and it it creates i think it's going to be very challenging for coaches to figure out not just there's the one question of how you do it ethically but then there's the other thing of how you use it to manage your team because those things don't happen in a vacuum what what you say to one player does end up getting out and affecting how other players feel and i think it's going to make the 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 idea of building a program m- more, more complicated for coaches,
0: and it should be said too. The quarter, quarterback is always different. I, al- I almost said the quarterback position.
1: <laughs> you caught yourself. I almost said
0: it. The quarterback position is
1: something. <laughs> <laughs> what you have to understand when you look at the quarterback position is that there is only yeah. one of those guys that can be on the field at a time. Uh, at the quarterback position, they throw the football, <laughs> yes. um, as opposed to the point guard who scores the basketball. <laughs>
0: Quarterback is different because it's so, it's, you know, there's, there's such a select few who you really feel like can, can be game changers in a given class. And especially watching it right now, they need a third one badly. Um, you know, someone like Jaden Rashada would be an, an excellent solution for them roster wise. You've got Michael Penix Jr. moving on after 2023. Rashada could, could redshirt behind him and Dylan Morris and, you know, learn from a couple guys who who go about their business very professionally and know the offense and you know watch watch panic sling it and watch how he he manipulates the offense and everything so um it would it would be a it would be a very a very clean solution for them um but it does it it kind of seems like it's it's trending away from Washington at this point uh I just I, I'm I'm going to be interested to follow in the next couple years assuming nothing changes with state or federal legislation or anything like that, how they do kind of go about the, the high school NIL thing, because, you know, they're going to be in it and they already are for increasingly higher and higher profile prospects in this 2024 class. And I don't know that Washington's program is one that attracts guys who have NIL at the top of their list. I think the guys who choose Washington, aren't walking in the door on their recruiting visit and saying, okay, how much money can you pay me? Um, But they, they do need to feel like they can get paid right away. Right. Because a lot of other schools recruiting them will, will put money in front of them up front. So I think it's going to be important for them to, to be very specific about, you know, how, how they communicate the, the dollar figures. These guys can expect when they get to campus and arranging for that and everything, and kind of continuing to walk that line of well how important is following the rules what is an inducement what what passes the gut check what do you feel is is ethical or not um, well making sure that like you are putting guys in these guys pocket, guy, you are putting money in these guys pockets because if you don't other schools will so i don't know i don't, like i don't know that there's any like big time prospects who definitely would have gone to Washington, like in the 2023 class that they missed out on strictly because of NIL. It could be that they just never got into the conversation with some guys because, you know, there were, there, there are things that other schools are willing to do that that Washington isn't. I don't know, but that area is just so murky. Like I said, you know, at the top, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deign to speak with any certainty about, you know, what, what is, or, or isn't possible other than the fact that, like, if if the day comes that Washington is putting a seven-figure deal in front of a high school recruit, like, on paper, before he ever, you know, before he signs as an inducement, I, that I'd be really, really, really surprised if that happens anytime soon.
1: Yeah. And the it, more we talk about it, it the more that I, th- I think of the the NFL draft and the way that current, like, veteran players guys that were already in the league came to view prior to 2011 when there was no rookie salary cap how they came to view those contracts that rookies got um because it was so outsized and that became a huge priority like as as a coach you kind of have to manage that um or or at least like you don't have ultimate control over it but you do have some some say in in how the the structures that are built around your program for NIL do function.
0: Yeah, and like I should say, I don't make those remarks based on like any assumption about availability of funds either. Like I I have yeah. no, I have no yeah. idea what Motelike Futures has in its bank account. I have no idea the total that they have in guarantees to the 2023 roster. I, I got no clue. I wouldn't pretend to know. I, I just think philosophically, the idea of yeah having having a 17 year old you know high school recruit walk into your building with everyone knowing that he's getting more money than most if not all of of your roster is is not palatable to Washington's coaching staff
1: i think of all the different stories that i've heard about what happens when high profile freshman recruits like the way that they get humbled or treated early on and washington's never been one for outright hazing like there's there's not but there have been instances where there's been i think of jeremy stevens and charles frederick of tensions between a veteran and a a young freshman add money to that that would be insane like that
0: that, that's a good point yeah yeah.
1: i mean that's hard it's it's those sort of things that that come up of hey i'm all for I, I really am. I am all for a player accepting whatever money they can get. And I don't think there's anything wrong with paying a, a high school player. From a coach's perspective, I think it's a different question of how do you... It's it's kind of a question of how do you build your team because this is another factor. Like It's not just playing time or opportunity or depth chart. There's also the name image likeness which you don't control like it's not like the coaches are deciding this but clearly the things that are built around the program are going to take into account what the coach kind of what their philosophy or what their approach is like it it gets it gets complicated the one thing i would say is that you never look good complaining about how much other schools are paying players like the 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 sure sign of being a loser is the is the Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher approach. <laughs> like whenever you complain or who was it, the pit coach Narduzzi was Mac Brown did some whining too. Whenever you whine about how much another school's paying, I just assume that means you're broke. <laughs> like you guys yeah. you guys are not are aren't are, are, able to come up with the cash. That that's what losers say.
0: Did you see what um Lincoln Keenholtz had said? I don't know. I don't think we talked about this. Had said Yeah, when he said that the, that
1: yeah, that the NIL deal at Washington was potentially better than what he ended up getting at Ohio State.
0: So that was what was unclear to me. Was it a deal? Was it a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, hey, if you come here, I got a pretty good idea, you'll get this? Or or was he talking more about, like, structurally, generally speaking, he felt like if he'd gone to Washington, he would have made more money? It it, it, it begged the follow-up question. He's it- also, like all of these recruits are, right? He's presumably 17 years old maybe he's 18 i don't, I don't want to speak right. out of turn but like i i try to i try to Ex- cut some slack in those situations and not like hold the high school kid to his every literal word necessarily like maybe he'd answer that question a little differently or or, or you know maybe he meant exactly what he said i don't know but
1: y- yeah i think th- i think that's a i think that's the right way to interpret most quotes is to try to try to look at like not just the verbatim, it's not a court of law. He's not under a sworn oath. Like, what's he trying to say? Because he might have been trying to say money's not an issue. Like, money, actually. And you'll hear NFL players say it all the time. Like, actually, it wasn't the most money that I got offered. And I'm like, well, okay. Maybe believe that, but I I don't really know. Um, I took it to say that Washington was competitive financially. Um, and, And also to say, like, that was the one thing I wondered. Is the Big Ten different cuz the Big 10 like the two the obviously the two super conferences the Big 10 and the SEC the SEC has typically been or over the past 10 years been the better conference right in terms of talent that comes out and what the way it produces the Big 10 has always been the richer conference like it's always had the more money it's in the bigger cities it's in the more it, it's it's in the north like all like the the huge cities that it, in its footprint the way it's expanded all of those things and I was like but maybe Maybe the Big 10 isn't as up on paying these kids as some of the SEC schools are. Is it is it not as lucrative cuz I was shocked when I saw that. I just assumed that Ohio State with with the size of its fan fan base, the the extent of its success that they were dropping money just like Tennessee, but that might not be the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would I would respond the way that more people should respond in NIL conversations by saying I have no idea. I have no idea. You <laughs> could not possibly know that. <laughs> However, I think it it absolutely behooves the blue blood programs for people to think that recruits are choosing them over the money. You know. Oh, do you think so? There's been some speculation that like, oh, maybe that's a maybe that's a Ryan Day a Ryan Day messaging. Oh, that's tactic. interesting. You know, like yeah, you 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 know that you're positioning the the West Coast Pac12 you know, school on the come up as, yeah, that's, that's where you'd go if, if you just cared about the money. But, you know, if you really care about everything else, it's, you come to the Ohio state, you know, that's the, that's the most cynical interpretation of it probably, but it is one that's... that like immediately was circulating on Twitter after, after he said that I will <laughs> no, say cause... like there were Washington fans did not like that quote. I think cause it kind of, it kind of, t- you know, implied that he wouldn't get developed at, at Washington, which people took exception to. I don't think anybody anybody at Washington, especially like at Washington's collective or involved in NIL, were upset about that, right?
1: Yeah. I I when I read that when I read that quote, I was like, that's actually a pretty positive sort of characterization of what I would consider to be a pretty straightforward decision. The kid's from South Dakota and he chose to go to Ohio State over Washington and he said that Washington was actually pretty pretty competitive and the decision didn't come down to, to name image likeness. Like I actually thought that was fairly complimentary.
0: So who who's to say what Washington, you know, will and will not do for for a high school recruit or, or what those that messaging is like. But you know, when you're when you're getting up into the into the seven figures and talking about mega deals, um I I just don't I don't see them doing that to get a high school kid to to campus. I think you know if everything else is is aligned and there's a match and i'm not just talking about jaden rashada but any any prospect who might be in line to command that kind of money and there's a match for football reasons and relationship reasons and you know all all the other reasons that you want to see in recruiting and then nil is kind of the the bow you know i could see i could see maybe something coming together where it it satisfies what their established like philosophy has been but um if it's uh if it's a bidding war so to speak i I don't see them getting involved in in something like that, but as with all things with n i l you never say never it is a an evolving landscape as they say <laughs> i i would
1: i'm kind of hung up on the idea of being the 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 ascot wearing snob about the blue blood program though of like Yes, if you care about things like money, perhaps you would go to Washington. <laughs> if you care about a, a proper fit in football, like uh, here at Ohio State, we offer you state-of-the-art passing uh, schemes, as well as a group of NFL-ready receivers. But if if you want to make a cash grab, perhaps this isn't the place for you, young man. <laughs> I don't know what... if y- I'm not sure what approach I would take in in terms of if I was going to be a cartoon character of a football coach. If if I if I would try and like how I would try and portray the other programs around it, be like, yeah, sure. If you want to go get money from some sort of like oil tycoon, go on down to Texas and then watch how the coach doesn't listen to anything that guy has to say because he's all hat, no cattle. Um I there's it's just going to it's fascinating to watch how how it's all going to play out and and how different programs are going to manage how how they appear in in this sort of new this entirely new and evolving landscape Christian
0: yeah uh, the landscape does continue to evolve (laughs) Uh, I I, I don't I, I see like a I see a day where you're talking about salaries instead yeah. of speculative private payments that are that's the other thing i i want to see i want selfishly i want to see the the Rashada Florida deal because i want to see if they actually like went to the trouble of quid pro quoing it up and and and, and actually listing out here are all of the deliverables for the 13 million dollars <laughs> like is he signing autographs every day God. you know like is that, how many appearances are are in there cuz like that is that's the big thing with Montlake futures and, and Washington. Like they want every exchange of money to be legit. Like you went and, and gave your time, you legitimately lent your name, image or likeness to this organization or business owner, whatever it is, you know, for a, for a fair market payment. So then, and you know, who, who the hell knows what a fair market payment is for any of this it's what someone's willing you know, to me it's what someone's willing to pay you right like yeah if you know if, if someone wants to sponsor say who say pod for five million dollars a year i'm not gonna say no come on that's too much right
1: if someone wants to sponsor say who say pod for fifty dollars a year i'm not sure if i'm
0: gonna say no nah, that's too little we could start at five dollars <laughs>
1: You want me to read something about your company? We could do that next week.
0: Yeah, I'll do it right now. If we were live, I would do it right now. I'd throw it out on Twitter.
1: Um no, it is like I I am interested as well. Like what what exactly? How much of that money are they trying to recoup? Like that's that's legitimately one of my questions because there are there are people who are donating, who are boosters and who are now instead of giving to the athletic program, presumably like, okay, I'm going to support this program that I value for whether I went there or I'm in the community or whatever. Now I'm going to support the athletes directly. There's also going to be people who see this as an opportunity where they can build a business out of it in which are they going to try to extract value from that? Like, is it, is it going to be, are are they going to sell a product that is in conjunction with the athletes? Cause that's entirely like, that's going to be an entirely different and new thing because some of those things aren't going to work. And the bankrupt business that doesn't work, isn't going to be able to pay what it's promising. There's, there are going to be so many messy ends to, to some of this. And I do think that there is a danger in getting out over your skis and promising something that you can't deliver or promising something you stop wanting to deliver because the player doesn't turn out to play as much or be as good as you thought or decides to transfer.
0: I've said it before, you know, I think before the Rashada thing kind of came into the spotlight, maybe it was a little bit prescient that forget about, you know, do you or don't you pay high school kids, inducements, whatever. Like the the next frontier for whether a collective is ethical is simply going to be do their checks clear? Yeah. do they Do they make good on all of the deals that they've made? And I think that is a space that montlake futures has really like prioritized occupying that they're the way they do things is going to be sustainable and you know there aren't going to be any promises made to anybody that that they can't keep so i think they're i think they're checking that box um you know i when this all got started i had people kind of in the the collective space say to me like yeah keep keep an eye on some of these other ones around the country, you know mm-hmm. like let's let's just say, okay, this school says that they've got however many million dollars earmarked for the next recruiting class, yeah, well, we'll see you know let let's let's just see how that turns out a year to three years from now, and not even in in the sense of like being liquid or having the money, but like you said, having second thoughts or oh, this wasn't worth it, you know we we're now paying. We're paying out multiple millions of dollars to guys over the next couple of years who you know might not even be here or they're they are going to transfer. And now it's an argument over. Do you still owe them the money? And, you know, this there's there's going to be all kinds of stuff come out. And some of it, I'm sure, will make its way to the courts. And it's just an absolute matter. Even the even the schools that feel like they're doing it right and the NIL is working for them, you know, as a as a recruiting, I wouldn't say inducement, but a recruiting tool, you know, even the ones trying to follow the rules, whatever, like, would tell you that it's all just a, it's an absolute mess right now. I would also caution
1: anybody that's listening against anybody in the media who refers to themselves as an NIL expert or authority or any sort of, there there, there are academics and people who are studying it who have interesting observations, but anybody who is, especially if they're working in media, that positions themselves as an expert on these things has zero idea what they're talking about. Like that, it it is this, there is no real understanding about the long-term sort of shape of this. It is being figured out as it goes. And I've seen a lot of people who were in sports business who have made this pivot to all of a sudden they're the authorities on it and it's leading to really reckless reports on the size of endorsement deals like that that's what i see most most clearly and i my background in the nfl i am familiar with people reporting on contract size that bears no resemblance to what the players actually earn because that's baked into that entire system and this is less reliable than that like that's all of all of the signs are there that the people who are seeking to cover this may be well-meaning, but there's simply not the amount of verified information out there to be able to make to, for anyone to be an expert on this.
0: Yeah. Best practice. And I'm not saying always, you know, no, some of this is just media literacy. No, know, know your sources best practice. When you see, um, a dollar figure thrown out for an NIL deal is is to assume that it's it's bs. Yeah. I had somebody tell me divide it by 4. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, well, just that's, divide it by 4. That's a good practice just because you know, people see the figure and and yeah. I think kind of forget that like well a college career lasts 3 to 5 years, you know, this is yeah. probably spread over. So maybe divide it by 4 and then divide it by 4 again. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted it for a year. We, I had a friend. His name was Mark. And in college, he was a habitual
1: exaggerator. And we got him to commit to a process by which we would determine, like, his average exaggeration. Where he would say something. And then we'd be like, okay, how much was it really? And then so he started telling us how much. it, And it turned out like he exaggerated by 28
0: and we we did you write a thesis on this
1: (laughs) no but we i I had the math (laughs) like i had people like there were different people that would provide me with the data points to determine what his average exaggeration was and it was (laughs) 2.8 so so if you'd be like oh i had 12 beers last night you're like yeah you had a you had a fifth like you maybe didn't finish your fifth (laughs) and it was it turned out to be like using the it wasn't it was more accurate than his initial estimate.
0: Do college kids crush beers like that anymore or like has the proliferation of, of IPAs made that a lot harder? I would assume that
1: it's made it tough, although when I was in college I think they're into there,
0: the seltzer now, the kids. Yeah.
1: When I was in when I was in college there was something called Rainier Ice. And first of all, they sold it. It was in eleven ounce bottles, which was Fiendish because it would make you think like oh it wasn't quite that much you're like yeah yeah it was like it's one ounce it was one twelfth less than a normal beer and I think it was like eight percent I I think it was eight percent alcohol like it was extraordinarily high it was gross like it was the it was the worst thing that could have happened although it was occurring to me this weekend um, I I don't drink I quit drinking about six years ago I've. Over the past couple months, I, there's a couple times where I've gotten non-alcoholic beers. And I drank one on Sunday while I was watching the football game. And I was like, I could probably drink a couple more of those. And I was like, yeah? that's the weirdest thing in the world. Well, like, what, what were you drinking?
0: It was uh,
1: Lagunitas. It's IPNA. Oh, so Lagunitas makes hot. a
0: non-alcoholic beer, huh?
1: They do. Uh, yeah. it's, it's become an emerging market. Yeah. <laughs> There's a company called Athletic Brewing, which is all non-alcoholic beers, which apparently like, I might become interested in because I'm like, yeah, I don't mind having a beer. Like, I, I enjoy the taste of beer. But then the, the thought of crushing three beers, I was like, why would you do that? Like, you're not, I'm not getting buzzed. I was like, but it seems like it'd be really easy to do. I don't know.
0: Man, I, I, drink, I drink two IPAs anymore, and I'm like, I am full. I am uncomfortable. <laughs> like, my alcohol tolerance is fine, but I, I mean, you're going to have to roll me out of here if I have another one of these.
1: <laughs> I got one, one last question for you. We've talked about NIL and, and all of the different elements of that and how it may or may not be used as an inducement for for high school recruits. Do you think recruiting is as important now given the ability to transfer?
0: I think it still is. Mm-hmm. I I think for for um, for culture purposes, and I kind of roll my eyes when I use that word because it's so overused. I'm I'm in agreement with Chris Peterson on that one. He hated the word culture, uh, probably still does. Um, but like to establish this is the way we do things. This is what's expected. This is the standard, and to have guys in the locker room who uphold that standard, which is a, a an essential but maybe overlooked element of, of culture building and college athletics. I do think you need to, you need to identify and, and bring in the guys out of high school who are, who are going to help establish that. Now with that said, Wayne Talapapa was a captain last year. Yep. Jeremiah Martin was a captain last year. Michael Penix jr. Came in immediately and was a captain last year. They have also identified guys in the portal who are veterans who they know, will not just come in and assimilate into the culture, but who who will help them build it, even though they are just getting there, just by virtue of their maturity and, and who they are as people. So it's not like you can't uphold your culture by bringing in a bunch of transfers, and you have to bring in a bunch of transfers every year to, to plug holes and, and upgrade your roster, but I still think that, that high school recruiting is really important, and I, I know Washington kind of feels like that is how you build your foundation, and the portal is... Is for for upgrading certain positions of need as they bear out over the season, and and complementing your roster. I know in our first interview when I, when I talked to Courtney Morgan way back, you know, a, a year ago after the staff first got here, he kind of said like the the transfer portal is your new JUCO, right? If you oh, you, okay. you need veteran help, you know it's there. Um, you you know you, you 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 keep a couple spots open in the back of your mind throughout the year because you you know that you're. You're going to need to fill some holes with guys who can play right away it's it's like a much more effective version of of what juco used to be so you know that could change i think it's going to vary year to year too there might be years where it's just like you missed on all your evaluations at this position and you just need to you need to kind of clean house and, and bring some guys in who can play right now but i, I still think that the high school re- recruiting is how you're going to set your foundation
1: it's interesting to watch. And it does make sense. Like, look, Roma Dunze is a great example of how important recruiting is. Um,
0: he sticks here
1: through a couple of really uh, profound changes or opportunities because of the sort of the, the, the impact it made on him to get on campus and in that locker room.
0: Yeah, and you know, as much as we talk about NIL and high school recruiting, guys in the portal have far more reason to expect a certain amount of money right now right like they've mm-hmm. produced and and there is a market for their services for sure so you know for I don't know if you want to say budgetary reasons it, it it's going to be you know harder to count on bringing in like you know 10 to 15 difference makers in an off season some schools have done that and you know i i think i think there's a belief that those schools probably have some money to work with so um that's a consideration too I just yeah I mean I especially if you feel like your program is a desirable one and you can get some talented players out of high school and get them into your system and you know have them kind of learn how how you how you go about your business in this program type of thing like I think that's that's always going to be really important but you know certainly it doesn't preclude a team you know flipping a a a bad roster to a, a really good one year to year USC did it last year but like that's also that's usc you know that that's mm-hmm. a program that's always going to be able to attract the type of guys who have played 2 3 years somewhere else and are really good players and, yeah, and i'm not always,
1: saying always love the opportunity to go somewhere that you can fold at the slightest sign of adversity <laughs>
0: <laughs> well listen they're joining they're joining the big 10 so they are you know that's where you go if you want to get developed yeah you don't care about money (laughs)
1: that's right (laughs) yeah ryan day will be oh welcome to the blue bloods here we're gonna eat sandwiches afterwards
0: that's a great but like from his perspective and I'm, i'm you know that's assuming that like the the messaging is coming from ohio state which is a broad assumption but like that that that's smart right that you like i'm sure every blue blood program would love to play up like oh yeah this guy he had yeah he had other offers He could have gone this, you know, this other school for a million bucks or he could have gone here, could have gone there. But guess what? He came here. You know why? Because, uh, you know, we're really good at football and that's what's most important. Like it's it's um, it behooves them to continue to like uphold the power structure. Right. So, yes, that that all makes that's we don't know any of that to be true, but it, it makes a lot of sense.
1: If you're on the top of the mountain. The thing that you have to offer is that you've got that ba- that camp set up at the summit. And why would you choose not to come here so you can go somewhere lower just because they're going to give you more money? Because you're not going to be—you're going to lose status. You're going to lose something you can't buy. It makes sense.
0: Um, it, it could be the case also—I'll just touch on this briefly—that um, we've we've spent this show talking about the wrong quarterback prospect. Because a 2024 prospect named Austin Mack from Folsom High School— uh, took a visit to Washington over the weekend, and uh, a couple of the the twenty four seven sports guys have put in crystal balls for him to Washington, uh, which is usually a, a pretty strong sign. He's he's leaning a certain way. So um, he's a four star guy, six six. Uh, looks like he can really throw it. So you know there there are there are going to be quarterback solutions at Washington. They need to figure out twenty twenty three. They need to go get a guy, probably from the portal and it's got to, you know, it's going to be a guy who's who's got to be fine with being third string for at least a year. Um, but uh they've already got a, a quarterback committed in their 2024 class. It looks certainly like they are pursuing a second and and doing quite well with him. So, um there will be there will be quarterbacks who want to play at Washington, I think. Now, Folsom,
1: that's the area Jake Browning's from, right?
0: That's his school. Yep.
1: So, got a little bit of a, pa- uh, a pipeline there. I also, whenever I hear Folsom mentioned, I immediately think of an Ice Cube lyric, Christian. Yeah. Yeah, it's from uh, Gangsters or Gangsta's Fairy Tale, Ice Cube, the Predator album, which probably not as good as America's Most Wanted, but a really good album. And uh, his first verse uh, starts out with Little Boy Blue is out of Folsom, which is where the state penitentiary is. And I- I've always enjoyed that image of Little Boy Blue.
0: Walking out the state pen, I thought you were going to say Johnny Cash. <laughs> that's also there. What Folsom Blues? Yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. uh, he, he like did a, a famous it's show a li- there, right? It's
1: a it's a live a live show that he did there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Ice Cube definitely more your brand. I mean, I, sh- <laughs> I don't know why I was expecting Johnny Cash.
1: I, I I like a little Johnny Cash, but yeah, Ice Cube is, and I can read none of the rest of the lyrics of that song.
0: Yes, that's that's a good idea. <laughs> um. What do you got? What do you got going on this next couple of weeks? We might. I, this may be a good time to say we might. We might miss a show. Um, I've got some vacation coming up in February. Um, technically, this isn't. This isn't actually part of my job, so it wouldn't be violating my <laughs> vacation time to do a podcast. <laughs>
1: <but>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's true. It's tec- technically, I'm not, I'm not. This isn't what you would call work. Yeah, um, no, nobody asked
0: me to do this. So <laughs>
1: uh, I'm continuing. I'm. I'm reaching. Uh, sort of a point where I'm nearing the end of a first draft uh, of a of a memoir or something I've written about my family. So I've been meeting with a writing coach um, and then continuing to update the newsletter. Uh, yeah, that uh, with the Super Bowl coming up, but I don't have
0: any immediate travel plans. Does your writing coach scream at you?
1: <laughs> no, she's so nice. Like there's times that I wish she would like where I'm like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's just all encouragement like about the process and digging deeper and here, go ahead and press on this a little bit more. That's what she likes to say. Like just press down here. Um, it's, it's like a bruise. It might hurt a little bit, but apparently that's how you, th- th- that's, that's how you put pain on the page is to press down on bruises.
0: That's a, that's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> I, uh, I look at it more you know, like jabbing a finger into an open wound. That's yeah. what writing feels like to me.
1: Yeah. Um, or it could be just like opening a cut and letting your blood drip out. I've also heard that, um, no writings. I've, I'm learning to write different Christian. Like I, I would say that, that like most of my life, my professional life has been spent writing articles, which are meant to convey information and they are done in a single day for the most part. Um, Or over a couple days, there's obviously exceptions. I've done some longer stories, but understanding how to write something longer and how to actually revise something rather than just polish uh, is it's been sort of a humbling experience. Like I've understood how little I know about writing and the actual writing process and story structure and those sort of things. But there's also been points and I would say I'm right now on one where I'm it's really exciting because you're like, oh, I understand how to do this better now.
0: I had a, a writer I really respect say to me recently, um, and this person works for a, a newspaper, does roughly what I do, not not the same job, but same kind of concept that like, he'd been writing more just for himself recently, not for publication and, and maybe even about topics that, that he would write about for his job, for publication, but just just to write where like, Hey, maybe I'm, you know, I'm not scheduled to write these next couple days, or like I don't have anything really pressing that I want to get out there, but like I just want to write something, and I, I never do that. Yeah, and I just it makes me wonder if I'm like missing out on some some development because I I just don't have the time or or I haven't committed myself to doing it.
1: How old's your daughter, Christian?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah That's a, this is a thing, man. Like I
1: might have something to do with it. I like... get
0: I get ideas for like books I might want to write a subject I like man I could I could maybe do a book on that I'm just like when when am I ever going to do that you know well
1: I would say this write that subject in a notebook like even if it's just one line because you might not have time right now but that's something that you could that you can come back to and having little scraps like that around even the act of writing it down makes it more memorable Um, because just because that's not something that you're able to do right now or is fits in your schedule doesn't mean you won't eventually uh have time or want to do that, so that w- that would be my encouragement. Don't judge yourself about that
0: i'll I'll try to withhold withhold self judgment yeah um we will uh I think we'll talk to you next week. I think we can do that um until then. keep pressing those bruises
1: <laughs> yeah that's right. you want to get a little deeper there and never forget about little boy blue fresh out of Folsom
0: <laughs> see ya.